Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, we're back with live shows. Uh, and let's just get today's show underway. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday. I'm losing track of my days here. September 23rd. Wednesday. Yes, it is Wednesday. I, that's, that's gonna, I think that's going to happen quite a bit here today on the program. Wow, man. It's the first day of the week. I just got to kick, you know, feels like Tuesday. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, September 23rd. It's just moments away. There we go. We'll edit that out. But before we go any further, we got to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. They're sponsors. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. And our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. All right, if you're new to the Ben Jarofsky Show, how's it going? Uh, if you're new to the live stream chat, hey, what's up? Thanks for listening. We start every show with a song of the day, just to make sure that everyone can hear us loud and clear. Uh, so far, hasn't really been too many great performances on song of the day, but <laughs> it's fun, all right? Wait, you know what? The one I love about that sentence? Too many, there haven't been too many great performances, which implies that there have been some great performances. Yes, there have been, Dr. D. There have been Thank a few. You. There have been a few. Uh, and I think today we're going to get a good one. Our song of the day request comes from Frank, because he is the official song requester now. Um, your song of the day comes from Elvis, Viva Las Vegas. Oh, you know what? It's funny, Frank. I just heard Viva. It's one of my favorite Elvis songs. I heard it, I think it was Saturday. I was driving around. Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Bruce Springsteen does a pretty good version. Your favorite uh, of Viva Las Vegas, D. Viva. I think Viva Las Vegas is in The Big Lebowski, if I am correct. Yes, I think there's a scene in The Big Lebowski where they play Viva Las Vegas. And I don't know the rest of it. There was a lot of lyrics. Ann Margaret was in the movie, D. I don't know if you knew that. Ann Margaret was in Viva Las Vegas. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. <laughs> it is Wednesday, September 23rd. And yes, still live from my apartment in his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, he's back. Legendary Chicago journalist, Monroe Anderson. And now your host, he's back. <laughs> Chicago, Hello, Reader, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Uh, timing's off after the extra day off. Oh. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this RBG Wednesday. What else would we call it, D? And here's why. Great weekend. You have a great weekend, D? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's Wednesday. The weekend is long, long gone. But well, yeah, it was, know, it was all right. Know, people be like, hey, how come you're changing things up? Got to start with that great weekend thing. 
It's actually a long weekend. Uh, young Dennis took the day off, had some business to attend to in his hometown of Alton. Uh, he was Viva Los Alton, got in that train and went down to Alton. And uh, he had a lot of fun down there, huh, D? It wasn't bad. Wasn't great, uh, but it wasn't bad. All right, there you go. I like uh, just brief update. People want to know this: Are the Pritzker signs still up? The Pritzker sucks signs. Are they still up? Yes, they are uh, still up. And uh, I was fortunate enough to read the bottom of the signs. Um, it says, <laughs> "Okay, so it says Pritzker sucks real big and very, very small, very, very small print. You have to walk up to it and see it. It says Pritzker sucks at top, and then it says the life out of Illinois taxpayers." Whoa! Oh, those oh, those Republicans are a clever bunch. Those Altonians, down those Republican Altonians. So anyway, uh, yes, the, the Republicans are still up to their uh, tricks uh, down in uh, Alton. Good to hear that. Not so really good to hear that. Uh, what did I do? I saw a lot. Watched a lot of basketball. A ton of basketball. But folks, actually, uh, let's be honest. It wasn't such a great weekend. I spent a lot of my time mourning. Uh, our RBG died, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I can't remember being uh, harder hit by a death of a public figure that I, uh, well, uh, that I didn't know at all. Uh, since Harold Washington died in 87, I knew Harold Washington a little bit, interviewed him a few times, but I didn't like, really, I wasn't friends with him. Uh, Harold Washington died in 1987. He died of a heart attack in November of 1987. And instantly I knew that the bad guys in Chicago politics, and there were a lot of them, were going to just take over and try to do everything they could to eradicate whatever progress Harold Washington made to block that progress, to eradicate his legacy. I knew they were up to that. From the moment he died, I had two thoughts. Like, one, I'm really going to miss Harold Washington. What a great man he was. So much fun to interview uh, as a reporter and so much fun to follow as a citizen of Chicago. But beyond that, I knew that all the good things he tried to do to bring equity to this city that had been racially divided since the turn of the century were going to be undone by the bad guys. And sure enough, they marched in and did everything they could to undo it. And that is what's going on with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I'll set you the scene, ladies and gentlemen, Personal, my personal life. Just finished doing last week's interviews, feeling pretty good. Did that interview with Mick Dumpke about football. Um, sitting back, talking to my youngest daughter on the phone when the news broke. Bam, RBG died at eight, age 87. We knew it was coming, but still I was I was overwhelmed by like uh, kind of personal grief because uh, RBG and my mother were the same rough age, same generation, had a similar background. Uh, so it just made me think about my mom who died a couple years ago and started thinking about a great generation of women who were passing on. And then, boom, no time for mourning. Mitch McConnell sends out the message. He's going to bring replacement to vote. I swear D, it was like within an hour. Maybe two hours. I can't remember. Everything is condensed of the, uh, the announcement that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had died. <laughs> Mitch McConnell, Senator Mitch McConnell, leader of the Republicans uh, in the Senate, uh, announced he's going to bring a replacement to vote. Morning time over. Now I'm in full raging glory. What a freaking phony. The shameless hypocrisy of it all. You all know is true, folks. When Justice Scalia died and Barack Obama nominated Merrick Garland, Mitch and Republicans wouldn't give me a hearing. Mitch is like, oh, we must let the people decide. Or I will now do my Mitch McConnell imitation. Yes. I'll do my imitation of Dennis imitating Mitch oh. McConnell. 
It's my Dennis imitating Mitch McConnell imitation. That was so yes. meta. <laughs> what can I say, D man? Feel my rich little. Anyway. Yeah, Mitch is like, well, you have to let the people decide, you know. That was like a year before the presidential election. This is like 40-something days in. The next thing you know, like Trump's saying, yes, I'm going to uh, announce my uh, new nominee, my nominee to replace her uh, just as soon as the funeral's over. You know, like he's out of respect for the Ginsburg family. <laughs> like he cares about the Ginsburg family. You know, I'll hold off until the funeral's done because it would look unseemly. They're always like worried about some swing voter in Wisconsin who might be offended by, well, that's so good. Could you wait till after the funeral? Okay, I'll wait till after the funeral until I just like obliterate her legacy. Then he says he'll nominate a woman. Like that matters. I was hoping he would nominate Ted Cruz. For a while, there was talk that he was going to nominate Ted Cruz. Uh, for all I know, he still will nominate Ted Cruz. Donald Trump has been known to lie from time to time. But I mean, if you're going to be a phony, go all the way. If you're going to undo the legacy of a Supreme Court justice who spent so much of her life trying to uh, end uh, discrimination against women, just replace her with a right wing man. It's, I would have to say, the most cynical act in Supreme Court nominations since George Herbert Walker Bush, that's Daddy Bush for you youngsters, replaced Thurgood Marshall, a giant of the civil rights movement, with Clarence Thomas, a right-wing Republican hack. This was in 1991, before many of you were born. It just desecrated the legacy of Marshall uh, as they moved to undo it. And I could just hear, like, the cynicism just like oozing out of the advice that Bush's advisors were giving to him at the time. Like, boss, this is great. Marshall, Thomas, they're both black. White people won't even know the difference. Now they're doing the same thing with RBG. They're going to replace her, I guess, with Amy Conan Barrett, the right winger from Notre Dame, South Bend resident. We're going to have to ask uh, uh, Henry Davis what he thinks about her, D. Uh, if there's any humor in this sludge pile of hypocrisy, it's watching MAGA squirm. Yeah, MAGA's not quite sure how to play this exactly. On the one hand, it's a power grab. They know it's a power grab. But you know, MAGA, they don't want to admit it. So they're trying to figure out some way to make themselves out to be the victims. That's They love playing the victim card. So they're talking about the money pouring in by outraged Democrats to fortify various Senate campaigns to defeat the Republicans and take back the Senate. I got this email from Tim Scott. Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina has to be the biggest phony of them all. Uh, I'm going to talk about this later with Monroe. Is Tim Scott uh, or Rand Paul, who pretends he's a libertarian, the biggest phony of uh, Republicans in the Senate? Anyway, Tim Scott pretends that he's above it all. He's always sending out emails about how people are picking on him because he's a black Republican. And then he sent out this one, D. I got this one I, over the weekend, and I'm quoting from it. <clears throat> Quote, as the country mourns the loss of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Democrats have wasted no time in shattering fundraising letters, records, excuse me, shattering in all caps. So let's, let me just repeat that. As the country mourns the loss of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mourns the loss. Number one, Tim Scott, you're not mourning her loss. So stop pretending you're mourning. You're not mourning. 
You're gloating. You're cackling. You're trashing your memory. You talk about cancel culture? Republicans are always talking about cancel culture. You're trying to cancel our very existence. So stop pretending you're mourning. Her deathbed request was to hold off nomination, nominating a replacement until after the election. The exact quote that her granddaughter uh, publicized was, quote, my most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is stalled, end of quote. Instead of honoring that, you're violating it. In fact, you're trashing it. Donnie Trump went on Fox and Friends. What was it, D? I can't remember. I've lost, I really have lost track of time. He said it's not even true. Said the granddaughter probably made it all up. Said it was probably written by, I don't know, Adam Schiff or somebody. And Tim Scott followed up with this email. Quote, first, let's recognize the incredible life and legacy of Justice Ginsburg. She was a true public servant, and her impact on our country will not soon be forgotten. Oh, end of quote. If you feel that way, then don't join the effort to replace her. If you think it's an incredible life and legacy and that she was a true public servant, and her back in the country will not be soon forgotten, then do what you can to make sure that it's not forgotten. Tell Donnie Trump, no, I'm not going to vote for your replacement. I'm not going to hypocritically vote for a replacement who will undo everything that Ruth Bader Ginsburg tried to do. Come on. As Tim Scott sends out that email, they're working overtime to round up the votes, to obliterate her legacy with a right-wing judge who will join the other right-wing judges to write new decisions that overrule her decisions and cancel everything she did. It's a power play, straight-up power play, from the same bunch who cry like babies when crafty Democrats, like our very own Michael Joseph Madigan, does it to them. Though now that I think about it, I'm not sure that Michael Joseph Madigan would try anything as diabolical as this. I'd have a lot more respect for you, Tim Scott, if you just fessed up to it. By the way, I just got off the phone with Sabina Mustafa. I, I, I tricked you there, Dave. Yeah, and yeah. I, I was all set to go. We got a great yeah, show. But then yeah. I said, you know what? <laughs> Sabina, yeah. Folks, you could see Dennis's face. It was hilarious. He's all set. Yeah, he's going to do that thing where he bangs the table. I'm ready. And then I said, yeah, I just, I might trick him a little bit. What about Samina? <laughs> this is throw a curveball at him. Uh, Samina Mustafa, I just got off the phone with the great, the legendary Samina Fusa. Cut a deal with her. She's coming on next week. She's so busy. Oh, ben, I can't do this day. I can't do that day. I can't do this day. Finally cut a deal for next week. Uh, she has some very interesting things uh, to say about the Democratic strategy of putting everything in the hands of lifetime political appointees. Great point. As opposed to doing the organizing efforts uh, to uh, take win local seats, like state representative seats, state Senate seats, take control of the House and the Senate. You know, that's, that's a good point uh, by Samina Mustafa. The, 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 the Democrats are always like looking for the, like the power, they concentrate on the most powerful positions they want. The great president, the great Supreme Court justice, and meanwhile, the Republicans are just like down there on the local level, taking control of state houses. Good point by Samina Mustafa. Uh, she'll be on next week to talk about that. And you know what else, Steve? Samina reminded me that the debates are coming up. I'd completely forgotten about the debates. Can you believe that? 
I'm like, oh, you got a podcast on politics? Yeah, Mr. yeah. Keep it. Come on. Podcast? You don't have to admit that on here. He knew the whole time, guys. He's joking. Uh, I'm like, she goes, oh, you want me to come on and talk about the debates? I go, wait, the debates? The debates are coming up. And she's like, uh, Ben, hello. Debates coming up next week. Good God damn, I'm going to lose my freaking mind. We got a, a Supreme Court nominee. Uh, there's a vacancy at the Supreme Court. There's the politics of that. You got the election uh, for to control the Senate. The Senate race is all over the country I'm following. You got Donald John Trump versus Joey Biden for president. And in the middle of all, you got, I got to get ready for the debate. D, there's oh, your life's no so hard. <laughs> oh. Plus, there's basketball. I got to oh, watch these basketball poor games. Poor guy. Anyway, Some- we got a great show today. Yeah. <laughs> Just had to bang that table. That's for you, Brianna. Uh, uh, the great Monroe Anderson will be on. He's fired up, T. I talked to him. He is fired up and ready to go. You know he's ready to trash Trump, McConnell, Tim Scott, Rand Paul. He's ready to go. He's just like, yeah, bring me on, bring me on. So Monroe Anderson, the legendary Monroe Anderson. And then our second guest uh, for the 7 o'clock drop, really uh, happy to say uh, Meredith Shiner will be on. Uh, she wrote, covered the Senate uh, for Politico for many years, knows the inside game. Uh, and she's going to break down what's going on in terms of just all the maneuvering behind the scenes uh, to see uh, if the Democrats can block uh, the Republicans, keep the Republicans from filling that vacancy. I don't think they'll be able to do it, but uh, we shall see. So anyway, and hey, who knows? Talk. Maybe maybe we'll get her to bang on her table as well, guys. You got to download it to find out. Am I right, Ben? Yes. Although, yeah, but I think just there's only one guy who bangs on a table. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like a Ben thing, you know. Yeah, uh, it is a Ben thing. You're right. The ben, the Benny uh, J bang, the Benny J table. Bang. Okay, it's getting. I'm really above banging on the table, Ben. Um, so anyway, plenty of political talk ahead of us. Before we do that, young man just returned from Alton. He rode his bike down the hall. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I didn't. Riding my bike. That would take like a week. <laughs> the young man from Alton, the man they fondly called Doctor Doobie, with the news. Hey guys, I'm Dennis. Hey, we're back with a new week of live shows. And no surprise here, we have plenty to talk about. But before we go any further, non-sports fans, please hang tight with us here. Our host, who is feverishly going through a newspaper, apparently. He has been chomping at the bit to talk about this. Benny Jane, what do you say we talk a little basketball, huh? In fact, pass me that rock. Yeah! Swish! (laughs) Well, uh... Hey, why don't you t- why don't you take a shot? Take a shot here. What, oh, here's the rock. Oh, you missed. That's okay. Hey, man, I, what are you talking about? I miss? I drained it. I'm Jamal Murray. I'm Jamal Murray. Stepping back, okay? In your hey. in your dreams. Try try another shot. Here we go. Listeners are like, who's Jamal Murray? Bang here, with the left hand, D. Here we go. Okay, left or right. Ben Jarowski for three. Here we go. Oh, hey. missed again. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta get the newspaper. Hold on. Uh, as everybody knows, my beloved Chicago Bulls uh, hired a new coach this, uh, just yesterday, I think it was. I was talking a lot. Of, I was sending out text. God, if nothing else, I got to obsessed with Billy Donovan, new coach of my beloved Chicago Bulls. Now, Dennis has a strict policy on this show. I am not under any circumstances allowed to talk about basketball or sports. Strict Dennis policy. And as everybody knows, the young man from Alton call, calls the shots on the Ben Jarowski show. So, D, 
I am going to camouflage my discussion of basketball. I'm right here. Oh. I, I can hear it all. You're not camouflaging anything. Just go ahead. No. By having a conversation about headline battle, Tribune versus Sun Times. So we're going to bring back, we're going to do a battle of the headlines, okay? And in doing that, I will camouflage my conversation about how excited I am. Oh, you're, yes! you're telling me to my face, so you're not cam- oh. camouflaging anything, really. But uh, did mm-hmm. you say battle of the headlines? Line, line. All right, there we go. There's your intro. <laughs> Wait, was that somebody getting punched? <laughs> that little, I like yeah, that. yeah. It's a Ooh. battle. Oh, oh, I get it. Duh. Oh, boy, did you guys Little. miss us or what? Good Lord. <laughs> Wait, airplane overhead. All right, so um, we'll start with the Tribune. Dennis's favorite. There is your headline. The, just so everybody knows, the new coach of the Bulls is named Billy Donovan. Okay. Here's the Tribune headline. <clears throat> Bulls hire Billy Donovan as their next head coach. That's the headline in the tribute. Excuse me while I fall asleep. Oh, sorry. I don't know. Just sounds like a good headline to me. Right to the point. <laughs> and then headline in my beloved bright one, home delivered every day. Actually, the tribunal's home delivered too. So anyway, headline in the sun time. So one more time. Uh, tribune, Bulls hire Billy Donovan as their next head coach. Solid. Headline in the bright one, Billy Ball. <laughs> Billy Ball. <laughs> I love it. Billy Ball. Yes, Billy Ball, Chicago Stadium, even though it's not even called the Chicago Stadium anymore, except by old timers like me. Billy Ball to Chicago Stadium. D, get ready. Get ready for that parade. Next year, COVID will be uh, eradicated. Joey Biden will be president of the United States. The Democrats will control the Senate. Uh, And the Chicago Bulls, having just won the NBA championship under coach Billy Donovan playing Billy Ball, will be having a celebration at Grand Park. Oh, man. You're an optimistic feller today. We can ride our bikes, Dave. We can go. We can join the celebration. We don't have to wear masks or anything. We can go. We are family. Billy Ball. So, D, there we go. That's my prediction. Uh, What's going to happen in the next year or so. So, your thoughts. Sometimes headline, Billy Ball. Tribune headline, Bulls hire Billy Donovan as their next head coach. Go ahead, young man. I mean, I got to go with the Tribune. (laughs) It makes sense. It makes sense. You get it right to the point. Oh, I'd like to read more. You know, Billy Ball. I I don't know. Um, I'm sorry. I got to go with Billy Ball. Anyway, that's the sports conversation. I'm going to reach out to our good friend Joe Colley, see if we can book him uh, for this weekend, do a little Bulls talk. Uh, Dennis allows me to have Bulls conversations on the weekend. Maybe get Vincent Norman in to talk some basketball. Guys, I'm not like a, you make me sound like a huge jerk off the air. Dennis makes me do this and makes me do that. Guys, I'm really nice. Uh, He is really nice, but folks, you should see him, man. He goes, hey, son, come here. No basketball talk. All right, kid. Hey, I get it. Like, yeah, I right, now beat it. All That's right. My imitation of Richard Pryor imitating a gangster. Go ahead. Dude. By the way, that was battle of the headlines. Live, live. <laughs> right. I love it. Really All right. Now let's talk about the head coach of Illinois, Illinois governor, J.B. Pritzker. He's been watching tapes all week. And today at the Thompson Center in Chicago, Coach Pritzker, uh, coach Pritzker <laughs> will be going over his game plan on battling this damn dirty coronavirus with his COVID-19 press briefing. 
Yes. Yes. Can I talk now? <laughs> Why well, I pointed uh, to you. Uh, oh, you did. I missed the pointing. I was drinking water. Uh, at the risk of breaking my promise so soon after I made my promise, I want to talk a little sports. Uh, the press briefing will come the day after Notre Dame announced the football that their football game would be canceled this weekend because so many people on the team have COVID that they apparently don't have enough players to field the squad. Okay. So this, we had a conversation with Mick Dumpke on this one. I'm very proud of the conversation, the, the interview where Mick said lifelong football fan, he's through with football, the utter hypocrisy. Uh, I, I just, when I saw that headline D I flashed back to all the protests that took place last week or the last couple of weeks where people in the Midwest were saying, please bring our football back. If Notre Dame can have football, how come the University of Michigan can't have football? How come Ohio State can't have football? The, the COVID denial, D, is so intense. You know, it's like, I understand we're impatient. I understand we love our football. But it's like, you're asking so much of college players who are not essentially in a quarantine like the basketball players or to a certain degree the football, the pro football players are to avoid going to parties or, or to be encountering other football players or going to parties. I mean, it's just it's, it's like so delusional of our country to think we could just continue. We, I know we all want to have a normal life with where we follow college football and high school football, but we're in the middle of a pandemic D. I just had to say that. I just, cause you know, all I listen to sports talk, which is what a waste of time that is. But these sports talk hosts for like two weeks have been reaming the big 10. Come on guys. Notre Dame played the, and Notre Dame had a game last week. They won 52 to nothing. They picked these patsies to play, to pad their record, to make themselves look good. It's like, what a waste of time anyway. And now apparently, I don't know, maybe they got the, the virus playing that game. Seven people yesterday, I guess, uh, have the came down to they, the, the test show. They had the virus. So that added to the people who were already not playing. Come on, folks. Let's be real. Wake up, America. Oh, wake up, America. And it looks like Coach Governor JB put together a little defensive strategy on Tuesday. Shout out to the Chicago Sun-Times and Sam Kelly. Governor JB Pritzker has put the Illinois National Guard in a, quote, state of readiness Tuesday ahead of the announcement of criminal charges in the death of Breonna Taylor. According to Pritzker spokeswoman Jordan Abadea, the decision was made after a Tuesday morning meeting between Governor Pritzker and Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Abadea said, quote, as the governor has always said, all of the state's resources are available to municipalities if needed. This includes additional Illinois State Police Troopers and the National Guard. The governor is putting the guard in a state of readiness to ensure they are available if municipalities request their assistance. Mm, yeah, I know there's concern. I remember after Ferguson, there was concern after uh, there were no indictments against uh, the policeman who uh, killed Michael Brown in Ferguson. I remember very similar situation. And uh, yeah, there was a story, uh, something just broke about this. This is, I just saw a headline flash on that there was one indictment. 
I think it was one indictment. I really shouldn't say it because I just saw the headline flash on. We'll probably talk about this more with Monroe. He uh, is in the real world of following the news. Um, so I'm really hoping that there is no violence. But uh, I also hope that there's like, justice in uh, Louisville uh, for Breonna Taylor. So, All right, and I promise it's the last basketball coaching reference, all right? Coach Governor Pritzker is also running a little triangle offense on Illinois recreational cannabis licenses. By the way, hats off to the governor. He's never ashamed to admit it. He's not a perfect person because it looks like he may be realizing that this whole lottery to win a license idea was a little greasier than expected. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and one Thomas two joint Shuba. The headline reads new marijuana dispensary licenses stalled again as Pritzker vows to quote, get it right a day after losing uh, or a day after giving losing applications a second chance to qualify for a lottery to determine the winners of the next round of pot shop licenses governor jb pritzker declined tuesday to give a date when the permits would be issued only saying it would happen quote this fall under heavy fire from scorned hopefuls and lawmakers pritzker on monday announced that candidates who didn't receive perfect scores would be able to revise their applications and challenge the grades they received from the states uh, only 21 or more than 900 applicants had advanced to the next round however pritzker wouldn't provide a firm timeline for when the licenses will be issued during tuesday's news conference at the thompson center saying only that his administration believes the process could be completed sometime in the fall yeah smart idea god he's he's been ripped on this show many times we have uh, many guests who have come on to uh point out all uh, the uh inconsistencies uh in the process up to now and uh, that uh, the companies that have multiple uh positions in the lottery uh, that are probably owned by rich white guys, uh, even though you're supposed to be giving out the licenses or you're giving um, a, a special favor to people who have uh, been hit hardest by the war on drugs. So they really uh, stumbled on this one, D. And I don't know. We've had so many people on the air to talk about this issue. I still don't know. Uh, number one, how why they let companies uh, conceal the identity of their owners behind LLCs. That's number one. And number two, I don't know why they allow companies to have multiple and uh, applications and multiple shots at it. Like there's a limit. I think there's 75 licenses doing off the top of my head. So you get 75 people for 75 licenses. Bada boom, bada bing. But there's like one company, like a 37 uh, applications in. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's just so Illinois. But you know how I say that, D? It's like, all I know is Illinois. Think about it. I've lived here since 1966. Whoa! That's all I know. I mean, there was a few years off here and there where I was, you know, had jobs around the country, got to see things with how they do things in Connecticut. Wow, there's... So really all I know is Illinois and Chicago. For all I know, the rest of the states in this country are just as corrupt as Illinois and Chicago. Did you ever think of that, D? Huh? Yeah. No, uh, yeah. I didn't. Oh, my God. I know. You know, and the more and more I watch Republicans in Wisconsin, I realize, oh, yeah, they're, they're just as corrupt. They're probably more corrupt. 
So I should stop doing that thing that Illinois people do. Oh, what a state. Oh, good. You know, they like to emphasize the corruption because this is all they know. This is what they spend their time fo- focused on. If you're a Chicago reporter and your job is covering Chicago politics, all you know is Chicago. You don't like cover, I don't know, politics in Akron, Ohio. I just made that up. The Akron, Ohio. I just, I, Toledo, Ohio. Cincinnati. You know, you just think Chicago, well, Chicago's the most corrupt because it's all I know. I got a funny feeling every state is corrupt. How about that, D? Alabama. I bet you Alabama is so freaking. Alabama was the one that had the pervert running uh, as the Republican nominee. At least Illinois has never done that. So I'm going to stop doing it. I'm, you know, D, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to make a pledge right here. I'm going to pledge to stop acting like Chicago. It is. like, And I know I played the game because from time to time, some like I'd be asked to comment about Chicago politics and by someone from outside of town. And they have that little chuckle. <laughs> well, you're up to your old tricks here in Chicago. Talk about it. Well, yeah, <laughs> we are the most corrupt state. No, I think New York, Texas. Good God. Florida. I think I think this country's a cesspool of corruption, D. Anyway, I forget where we were. Oh, marijuana. Yeah, we sure screwed up that thing. So, you know, you got 75 licenses, 75 different companies. There, I just ended it. I fixed it, okay? And make them reveal who the the owners are. None of this. The Dr. Doobie LLC. No, come on, guys. Stop hiding behind an LLC. Right, D? Hey, That's, I should be running this. Thing. I do not have an LLC, by the way, for those wondering. Dr. Doobie LLC. Also, our listeners in Florida, Alabama, and whatever states he was just mentioned, we love Ohio. you. We think you're great. We think you're great. All right? Uh, we do have Wisconsin. Some, we do have some audio from the governor as well as the oh. cannabis czar, our dear friend Toy Hutchinson, on the matter. So here we go. This first round of application scoring has been far from perfect, but as difficult and imperfect as it has been, we have seen signs of real progress. With this first round of applications, it's clear Illinois is already poised to have a more diverse adult use cannabis industry than any other state. Take the ball, Toy Hutchinson. Oh, switch. But keep in mind, a person can't change the ownership. This is still the first round. That means, for example, you can't add a new person and ask them to take lead on the project. These are the same people, the same owners, the same applicants. Just a new chance to confirm the facts. D, I love Toy Hutchinson. I miss, I just hear Toy's voice. I miss, she used to come on the show all the time. Then, you know, she went to work for Pritzker and that was the end of that. Uh, but I love, and she, she would tell it like it is and all kinds of issues. But you know, see, when you go to work, Toy knows us now. When you go to work, uh, for a governor or a mayor, you, you're like controlled by the press office. So, the, you know what I'm saying? I remember trying to reach out, trying to get someone from Lori Lightfoot's administration to come on the show. I deal with the press office. I say, Forget it, man. Just, just, it's not worth it. They're going to duck and dodge all the questions anyway. Uh, And because they're always worried that they'll like go off message. You got to be on message. It's like scripted out. That's how I got a funny feeling why Democrats always lose is because they, they, it's like they're always like reading a script. And so you're like, you just lose your legitimacy. It's like, doesn't sound sincere. I get uh, Candace Castillo on the show. She lets it fly. 
People believe her. Jeanette Taylor, people believe her. Samina Mustafa's going to tell it like it is. But when you go to work for the president, the mayor, you know, the the governor, it's like, give me my script. And when I read my script, here's my script. I'm going to read it. Anyway, just hearing Toy's voice. Love Toy Hutchinson. Toy, when you're done with this gig, can't wait to bring you back on the show. So that was fun, huh? Pretending like J.B. Pritzker was a basketball coach. Does he even like basketball? We don't know. Can he play? Well, let's find out. J.B., here's the rock. Shoot it. Shoot it. Oh, <laughs> at the buzzer. That was good. Uh, by the way, I have to. Uh, I got uh, a text from Frank, and he told Ben, you forgot about Denny Hastert, uh, who went to prison for sex abuse. Yes. How could I forget? Denny Hastert, Republican in Illinois. I talk about her. That was a really perverted story and denny hester of course was the oh my god the republicans you're such phonies remember they they ran bill clinton out of office because he lied about uh, an affair with monica Lewinsky. oh my god i cannot this is horrible they ran him out of office meanwhile they went through three they they replaced newt gingrich was the speaker of the house when they were doing that oops he's in a sex scandal gotta get him out then they brought in the old boy from uh i think his name was livingstone i cannot believe i remember that name from louisiana then it turns out he was in a sex scandal throw him out then denny hastert uh he took he he became the speaker and then later on turns out he was uh abusing teenagers or something so thank you for that uh, reminder frank of the utter hypocrisy of the republican party all right, let's move on here. Before we do, Ben, take another shot. You've been missing these shots. Brick City over here. Try and take another. You're a little rusty today. Here we go. Let's take another shot here. Here's the ball. Oh, Brick. <laughs> you missed it. I love the Brick sound. I love it. Velma, great job, by the way, in the uh, our sound production uh, team. we got about 10 people in that uh, production squad, don't we, D? You ever see them? It's just me. Okay, moving on. So since we last left you, we have nothing new to discuss on Madigan Gate. The time utility Aww. giants Commonwealth Edison admitted to arranging jobs, arranging contracts, and arranging payoffs to Madigan Associates. Way to behave while we were away, Illinois. There you go. Uh, So let's just move along again. And the magic number is 41. We're only 41 days away from the United States presidential election. I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. Ben, who you got in that race again? Uh, Joey B. That's my guy. All right. Like, let me just say this. Joe Rogan, you keep going around saying that Joey B is more demented than Donnie Trump. I don't know how you could say that. All right. So just uh, stop saying that. You know, uh, the, uh, Joe Rogan and I are two of the most popular podcasts in America. You realize that, don't you? Uh, if you add our two shows together, we have well over 20 million uh, downloaders every day. That Personally. is false information. <laughs> no, uh, that's not. That is actually true. If you add his show and my show together, we're over twenty million. Oh, Chris okay. Is bringing it twenty million. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Uh, hey, come on! I wasn't born yesterday. Huh? <laughs> so yeah, forty-one days from the presidential election, and people, we are also forty-one days from our, our general elections right here in the state of Illinois. So for about two weeks now, we've been providing a little insight into our congressional races right here in Illinois. And today, our 2020 Illinois general election coverage continues. It's time for a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. This is a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I love that sound effect. Ben, give me the ball. Taking the shot. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> At the buzzer. Love that sound effect, man. We no. spare no expenses on the Ben Jarofsky show. Now, if only you could start making some shots. You've been breaking like crazy. All right. You know, so- let me just say this. I've been making every one of those shots. Okay. Oh, Go yeah. Ahead. Prove it. Here's a shot. Oh, you missed it again. <laughs> I'm just going to keep leaning in on this basketball thing. <laughs> All right. So, f- <laughs> oh, and hot damn, do I love the sixth congressional district race between Uber left wing incumbent Democrat Sean Caston and his Uber right wing opponent, former 2018 gubernatorial candidate, Republican Jeannie Ives. We do have a new sixth congressional candidate campaign ad to play for all of you. But before we do that, we got to talk candidate endorsements. Ben, you look so excited. Please calm down. We got to talk about this here. Uh, the well, show- let me just make one one correction. I would never, ever call Sean uh, uh, Kasten an uber left wing. Uh, really? I'm uber left wing. He's liberal. Oh, There's okay. a big difference. But, okay. Yeah, you know, he's like... Uh, you know, a typical liberal. Oh, ben, can't we just get along? That kind of liberal. I'm, I'm a lefty. But anyway, continue. You're on a roll. All right. Well, we got to talk candidate endorsements here. The Chicago Sun-Times just announced who they are backing in the federal and local elections. Some of the races, not all of them. Uh, it's featured all over the Chicago Sun-Times website. Go check it out. No real big surprises thus far. The Sun-Times seems to be favoring the Democratic candidates. Notable Democrats like Danny K. Davis, Bobby Rush, Robin Kelly, Raja Krishnamurthy, Marie Newman, Chuby Garcia, Mike Quigley have all been backed by Ben's beloved bright one, the Chicago <laughs> Sun-Times. Uh, more Sun-Times endorsements will be rolling through the election season. Ben Jarofsky, let's talk about Illinois elections past and pick that big brain of yours. Can you recall any shocking newspaper campaign endorsements in the past? Uh, yes, the Chicago Tribune, which is uh, their editorial board, is so <laughs> they are uber right wing. And I would say they're borderline crazy uh, to use Donald Trump's favorite word. Uh, I re- I, they, they had an endorsement. Yeah, uh, uh, Jan Schakowsky was running. Jan Schakowsky is the congresswoman from the 9th Congressional District. And she's a liberal. She's like more to the left. She's as close as you're going to get to a lefty. In Congress, uh, but you know she's exceedingly popular uh, in her district. Uh, Evanston is the the main part of her her district. She's venerated in Evanston, beloved in Evanston. And I remember the Chicago Tribune couldn't bring itself uh, to endorse Jan Schakowsky. And I was like, "Are you kidding me? I mean, like you just make yourself look foolish." By endorsing, I, I don't even know who the right wing Republican was that was running against Jan Schakowsky. The person's going to get clobbered. So I, I, that always stands out in my mind as indi- indicative of, of how out of touch uh, the Chicago Tribune is with endorsements. My rule of thumb on endorsements um, from newspapers is uh, that you... They don't I don't think they uh, have a huge impact, to, to put it mildly, uh, in a race. I, I feel as though it's the kind of thing that uh, a candidate will put on his or her brochure and its flyer. But I don't think I don't think it moves uh, too many people uh, to vote for it. But when I saw that tribute, having said all that, when I saw that tribute, it was like, th- that's just exhibit A of how out of touch they're so right wing. They couldn't endorse Jan Schakowsky. It was like, uh, uh, just can't do it. Uh, uh, that, she's just too far out there. And trust me, folks, she's not that 
Lefty. Good God. I mean, I don't think the Tribune's ever really met a leftist. You know what I'm saying, D? You know, people who say, like, Jan Schakowsky's a leftist or Sean Castle's a I don't think you guys have really met a lot of lefties. Come meet my good friend and neighbor, Sam Holloway. You want to meet a lefty? It, you know, I mean, by the way, did you see the story in the paper this weekend? I know we're in a tangent with it, a tangent. You want to get back to your story where the Green Party I think in Wisconsin and Minnesota is being propped up by the Republicans. And it's kind of funny. Jill Stein was called on to comment on Jill Stein ran uh, as the Green Party presidential candidate. Talk about a duck and a dodge. Her quote, habit, habit. <laughs> she turned it on the New York Times like they were doing something wrong, writing about it. Come on, Jill Stein, you could do better than that. Just say, yeah, we're being used as tool. The Republican Party is using us. I mean, yeah, they're using us because they know that if enough people vote green, there's a better chance that the Republicans can win. Yeah, they're using us. Then deal with it. But her thing was to attack the New York Times for writing a story. Anyway, I don't know why I went down that trail. But anyway, anybody want to know the difference between a lefty, a hardcore lefty, and you're just run-of-the-mill liberal? Just compare Jill Stein to Jan Schakowsky. Go ahead, Dee. And wouldn't you know, it may have been their easiest and quickest candidate endorsement all year. The Chicago Sun-Times is also backing Sean Caston in the 6th Congressional District. And that leads us to today's ad. Now, according to this chart I'm looking at right here, so far in the 6th Congressional District race, let me see here, this chart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. The Democratic candidate, Sean Caston, has been ahead in the campaign ad department. I believe Sean Caston is averaging in at around two campaign ads per week. Wait, let me just double check on this chart again real quick. Hold on. Yes, that is true. That is true. Wait, where'd you get that chart, D? It's a great chart. Got it in the mail. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Is that my good friend Andrade? Yeah, it's a... It's a chart. What are you talking about? <laughs> and we have yet another cast and ad to play for all of you this afternoon. Hey, right. Uber right wing Republican challenger, Jeannie Ives. What's going on? Everything good over there at your campaign headquarters? Where's the latest campaign ad? The last one, to my knowledge, came uh, out weeks ago. And to be honest, it was a little boring and bland. That's not the genie eyes we remember. Where is the ad calling your opponent, Sean Caston, a snowflake liberal hippie? Am I right, Ben? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You got to go all in, genie eyes. Stop trying to pretend you're something you're not. Yeah, come you on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was the last one I could still hear. And she goes, uh, hi. I mean, she's all perky and everything. Walk a mile in my shoes. Remember that? <laughs> Guys, I'm normal. <laughs> I'm not the insane person you remember from the 2018 Republican gubernatorial primary. I'm just a happy-go-lucky Jeannie Ives. <laughs> so while we wait on that, the liberal snowflake hippie Sean Caston is set to release his latest ad, and I have it right here. Now, the okay. last ad we heard from Caston was very informative because we learned that not only is Sean Caston a great representative for the 6th Congressional District, He's also uh, kind of a nerd, but the gloves are off in Caston's latest ad. He's putting his opponent in the spotlight again. Not only, Ben, does this Caston ad remind us of Jeannie Ives' love for our 45th president, one Donald John Trump, the ad also brings back audio from a previous ad. 
The one where former Illinois Republican bigwig Pat Brady threw Jeannie Ives under the bus. Remember that one, right? Oh, yeah. I remember well, that one. We'd love mm-hmm. to hear your thoughts after we play the latest ad. Uh, maybe give it a zero to five star rating if you could. Here's the latest ad from the incumbent Democratic 6th Congressional candidate, Sean Kasten. I'm Sean Kasten, and I approve this message. Jeannie Ives on Donald Trump. I give him an A. An A? Yeah, I give him an A. Trump and Ives would repeal the Affordable Care Act, replacing it with a plan that threatens health insurance for hundreds of thousands of Illinois families. I'm Pat Brady, former chairman of the Illinois Republican Party, and I know Jeannie Ives. She and Trump deny climate change and dangerously ignore the scientists fighting the coronavirus. I give him an A. That's why I'm voting for Sean Caston. How about that ad? Do you give that ad an A? Absolutely. I love that. I give him an A. I, I give him an A. Yep. That's all you need to do. I give him an A. I don't think there's a whole heck of a lot of people who aren't wearing the MAGA hat uh, in the 6th Congressional who are going to give him an A. Now, the MAGA hat, they're giving him an A. No matter what he does, they're going to give him an A. He can contradict what he said the day before. They're still going to give him an A. He can tell him to ru- jump off a cliff. They're still going to give him an A. He said it himself. I can go kill somebody on Fifth Avenue right now, and they still vote for me. So we know MAGA is giving him an A, but man, I mean, hardcore MAGA out in the 6th Congressional, DuPage County area, changing demographic. I don't know if they're more than 45% of the electorate. The rest is that old swing voter. They're like, well, I'm not ready to give him an A. Can we all get along? That swing voter. So uh, giving him an A. I'm giving him an A. Yeah, that kind of undercuts the, hi, I'm Perky Genie Ives ad, D. So I give it an A. There you go, D. Uh, give, of course, you know, I'm a big believer in social promotion, so got to take that into consideration. Which the equivalent would be five stars. Yes, five stars. Give it five stars. Yes, that is the equivalent. Yes. Nice. Uh, live stream chat. Weigh in with your thoughts on the ad there. That was pretty good. Uh, we'd love to hear your comments. Also, you can reach out to us via social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com. Leave us an email. Leave us your name and where you're from. Uh, good chance we'll read it here on the program. That's always nice to read your uh, thoughts. And you can send us a voicemail, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Oh, and that was a 2020 Illinois General Election Candidate Update. That was a 2020 Illinois General Election Candidate Update. Ben, take another shot. Here we go. Ah, damn it. You keep missing it. You know, I'm just thinking about that. Uh, that genie. I, was, uh, I give him an A. Yeah. And, uh, you know, back in 20, she, that's from 2018 when she was running in the Republican primary for governor. And she was really trying to uh, distinguish herself from Bruce Rauner. And she was trying to let MAGA know that she was the real MAGA candidate in the race. That Bruce Rauner was, uh, you know, not 100% MAGA. So I give him an A. Now it's more like Donnie who? Donnie who? Cedric the Entertainer from Barbershop. Donnie who? Uh, Jeannie Eyes, what do you think about uh, President Don Trump? President who? That's what she's like nowadays. Uh, <laughs> what? I'm perky. Hi. No more give him an A. Come on, Jeannie Ives. Give him an A. See where that gets you in the 6th Congressional. I give him an A. 
Jeannie Ives, your, thought, your thoughts on Donald Trump. Jeannie Ives, please tell us. I'm Jeannie Ives. Okay. Want to know why I'm running for Congress? Walk a mile in my shoes. Oh. <laughs> Dean, do you remember uh, Cedric the Entertainer in Barbershop? When, uh, I love it. Uh, it th- that scene uh, where Jalen Rose walks into the barbershop and he just replaced, he just joined the Bulls. Michael Jordan's gone. And Cedric goes, Jalen Rose in the barbershop. Michael who? Michael who? I'm, I'm pretty much the only person in the world who A, remembers it, and B, loves it as much as I do. Boy, we're getting a lot of basketball talk in today, aren't we, guys? <laughs> ben is having the time of his life today. <laughs> But one more thing I would just want to say to you before you move on, D. Donnie who? Donnie who? <laughs> Come on, Jeannie. Give him that A. All right? Don't duck and dodge. I, you know what? I had, I don't think of you as a ducker or a dodger, but you're kind of ducking and dodging. Just saying. Jeannie, come on. What do you think about Trump? I'm Jeannie Ives. Want to know why I'm running for Congress? No. Walk a mile in my shoes. What? Your shoes? What does your shoes have to do with anything? Uh, Yeah, really, man. Nobody wants to walk in your shoes. Uh, Before we head out here and get on to our interview with Monroe Anderson, Ben, I believe you wanted to uh, say something about uh, one of our colleagues at the Chicago Sun-Times. I have a couple things I want to say. Uh, first of all, I want to, uh, the breaking news, right before we went on air, I will now do the sound of something breaking. So breaking news. Oh, thank you, Dean. You're welcome. Uh, Chris, Chris Fusco, who is, what is his title? Is editor-in-chief of my beloved Bright One, the Chicago Sun-Times, home delivered every day. Uh, he's moving on. He's got a new gig in Santa Cruz, California. I just read this in Rob Feeder's column. Someone sent it to me. Uh, someone name should I give out who sent it to me, T? Or should I just let that person remain in yeah, Go anyway, for it. But, I don't know. You know, it's like my my source. <laughs> my source. Because the whole country knew about it because Rob Feeder wrote about it. But you know me and the internet, D, I'm a little behind the times. So uh I'm gonna we're trying to we're trying to get Chris on the show before uh, uh he heads out the door. Chris Fusco, uh best of luck to you and your family. He was uh, very supportive of our show. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I was uh, a little sh- uh, surprised to see that he's heading. I didn't, another thing I didn't realize reading the story, he's so young. He's only 47 years old. Well, to me, that's young. You're a baby, Chris Fusco. Good God. Uh, but in all seriousness, Chris, best of luck to you and your family as you move out to uh, Santa Cruz, California. And uh, he's got a new gig with some uh, startup newspaper out there. So, um Good luck to you, Chris Fusco, and thanks for the support you've given our show over the years. And I'm going to try. He's ducking out, I think, on uh, October 2nd. I think I read that in Feeder's column. But uh, maybe I can wrangle him in for an interview and get his thoughts on the state of uh, journalism and politics. You know, now he's heading out the door. Maybe he'll you know, no ducking and dodging. How about that, D, huh? Yeah, but seriously, though, Chris Fusco, you're easygoing, great to work with, good guy. Best of luck in the future. Now, before you go... Here's the ball. Take a shot, buddy. Let's see what you got. Oh, three-pointer. All right, now back to Ben. Here we go. Ah, damn. Another brick. Uh, I'm not sure even Chris is a basketball fan. My memory is that he's a football fan. That's that's my memory. Would have fooled football. me. He just made that shot. <laughs> I'm a football fan. Bears fan. Heck of a team you got, Chicago. By the way, the Bears. What a terrible team. D, D let me just uh, – can I just say something I else? I mean, yeah, sure. We We've already talked about five sports things. Just go ahead and talk about a sixth. Well, no, this is not sports. This is an uh, essay I read uh, having to do with uh, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and it was in the Tribune by a gentleman named Jonathan Zimmerman, who I don't know. He teaches education and history at the University of Pennsylvania. 
And uh, so he wrote this uh, column and the Tribune ran it. I don't know why the Tribune ran it. Who knows? Uh, but this is like so, this is so Republican. This is where Republicans irritate the hell out of me. When they pretend as though they're like above the fray. I talked about this a, a, already a little bit with Tim Scott with his, as the country mourns the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Nobody in the Republican Party is mourning the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Stop pretending like you're mourning. Nobody in the Republican Party cares. But here's the thing about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had many friends of the far right persuasion. I don't know if you knew that, D, but she was friends with uh, Anaton Anaton Scalia, the the far right justice. Uh, She uh, had a lot of friends. There was another gentleman, I'm blanking on his name, wrote a column for the uh, New York Times yesterday. He was a Bush administrator appointee. Um, Bush administration appointee talked about what a great friend uh, she was to him. And now this gentleman, Jonathan Zimmerman, uh, writes this story about what a great person Ruth Bader Ginsburg was and how open-minded she was and how she had all these Republican friends. And then he says he takes a shot at cancel culture. So he's sort of like using Ruth Bader Ginsburg's life as like a tool to beat up Democrats while pretending he's not doing that. See, that's the phoniness of the Republicans. It's like, guys, you're so freaking phony. And he goes, can't we all learn from Ruth Bader Ginsburg's life not to do believe in cancel culture? Here's the headline. Ginsburg practiced anti-cancel culture because she had friends with people on the right. So the Republicans... They play this game where it's like they, they invented this term cancel culture and like Democrats are out there destroying the careers of these really great people. Like, I don't know. What's that old boy's name on uh, Fox D who had a lo- left the, his TV show because he was a pervert. There's so many of them. Bill O'Reilly. Uh, yeah. They've canceled Bill O'Reilly. The guy had these sexual harassment charges against him, man. Come on, man. That's cancel culture. It's no good. So whenever Democrats criticize anybody on the road, oh, you're trying to cancel them. Come on, let them speak. Meanwhile, Republicans are st- stamping out Democrat Colin Kaepernick. Case in point. But I'm just thinking it's so ironic that this gentleman in the Chicago Tribune is trying to use the life of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the friendship she had with right wingers to denounce Democrats and liberals for their cancel culture. When in fact, at this very moment, the Republican Party is working overtime to cancel the entire judicial legacy, the entire career of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I mean, the utter hypocrisy of this party is so breathtaking. It's almost like I have to admire them. How can the Democrats possibly defeat the Republicans when they're so hypocritical that they'll use the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg to criticize Democrats for cancel culture while they're trying to cancel Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Anyway, D, I know we have to move on to Monroe, but I just had to get that off my chest. All right, everybody, don't go anywhere when we come back. The legendary Monroe Anderson makes his return. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. We're live from my attic. Well, we're live from his attic, rather, and my apartment. We're 
doing remote broadcasting here. Hang tight. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Rediscover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore, from magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gems. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at architecture.org forward slash tours. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from his attic. Every Wednesday, uh, Monroe Anderson joins me to uh, talk Trump, 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 and more Trump. And every Wednesday, he puts uh, a message on his Facebook page uh, advertising and promoting what he's going to talk about. So I'm going to go to Monroe's Facebook page, and I'm going to read the message that he posted. Here here we go. Um, uh, I will be on the Ben Jarofsky show today talking about Trump, Trump, Trump. I'm going to talk about how uh, I'm going to give my advice for what the Democrats should do. I'm going to give my predictions in Senate races like the one in South Carolina. I'm going to talk about the difference between the liberals and the not so liberal media. I'm going to have I'm going to make a prediction about Mitch McConnell. Will he have a vote before or after the election? I'm going to talk about what's at stake with the Supreme Court seat. And I'm going to agree with Ben, that the biggest phony in the U.S. Senate is Senator Tim Scott, who is such a phony. Uh, anyway, my, my uh, apologies. <laughs> I didn't post. No, I got distracted. Um, the the Brianna Taylor charges just came down. Yes, they were having a press conference, and it is really a circle jerk. I mean, it's amazing. One cop got charged, mm-hmm. just one, and he got charged for wanton endangerment. Her name isn't even in the case at all. He got charged because when he was shooting at at her and her boyfriend, um, some of the bullets went through the house and went into the next door neighbors and stuff. So that's the wanton endangerment, not the killing of her. Wow. So that was the one charge for wanton endangerment. We talked earlier, Monroe, that I just saw a headline when uh, at the start of the show, a headline uh, flashed on my phone, Brianna Taylor indictments coming down. And I had no idea what they were. So I didn't want to comment. It actually did say when Monroe Anderson, who lives in a world of constant news, he's always, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, this man watches news 24 seven. Well, no, he sleeps. Me and the president. 
Yes, you were. The, although you're watching different channels, I believe. Right, we're watching, uh, and he and he takes a golf break. I don't. Yeah, he takes a golf break. Uh, but uh, Brianna Taylor. So one charge. Wow. So what are the what are they saying to justify it? I know I'm catching you off guard here, uh, asking you something. Yeah, just broke. because no, because the press conference. I, I was watching it. Um, first of all, fifteen thousand dollar. Um, bailout, fifteen, yeah, fifteen thousand for the bail for the police officer. Yeah, is that what you're saying? Yes, and if he's convicted, the most he will get is five years. Um, it, it could uh, could go one to five. Um, there's some speculation that it could even be probation. Wow. And who? Uh, and he's the one who they fired uh, in June or something. Nobody else is getting charged with anything. Uh, and nobody else is getting charged with anything. And right. uh, we'll probably be talking about this more. I've, I need to absorb this story before I. Uh, same here. Detail. Uh, uh, Open Weiss is going to have some material for his campaign because <laughs> I think there's going to be some rioting in Louisville tonight. Oh man, I hope not. I really, I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. We talked about that earlier in in the case of Chicago because uh, Pritzker said that he's going to have the National Guard on alert. Uh, But I really hope you're wrong, uh, Monroe. I do too. But as Dr. King said, uh, rioting is the um, the language for the um, helpless, hopeless. Yeah. All right, let's move back to uh, things that happened this weekend uh, and uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, death has opened up a um, vacancy in the Supreme Court and Republicans. Well, they are sort of changing. uh, They're singing a new song about uh, uh, vacancies. Monroe, uh, why don't you get into that a little bit? The new song that the Republicans are singing on vacancies. They changed the lyrics. Completely. The tune is the same, but the lyrics are completely, it's, it's opposite lyrics. Um, Lindsay, when they were fulfilling, were, were filling um, the last um, controversial seat for Scalia when he died, um, and there was a, a 10 month left on his term. They said that um, you should wait because Obama's term was ending. So their argument was that you should wait and let the let the people decide by by voting for the president and let the people decide who gets to fill the seat. Mm-hmm. And so Judge Merrick never got a hearing of any sorts. Um, he just got he, he just got ramrodded. Merrick Garland, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, weeks before the presidential election, there are people voting as we speak on who should be the next leader. Uh, suddenly, it's well, it's the president's the responsibility of the president to name the, the justice. And, and the Senate, um, they advise and consent. And so it's, it's their responsibility to advise and consent. So they're going to ramrod it through. Yeah. Different lyrics, say, uh, same melody. And the melody is a uh, power grab melody. Right. That's exactly. essentially the melody. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and the, the question is, 
Well, are they going to be able to get it done before the election? And should they? Or should they wait until the lame duck, duck session after Trump has lost and Biden is, is set to be president? And and, and 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 ram it through then. Well, that's a political decision. Let's get into that. That's a political decision, a strategic decision. Yeah. Uh, but, but before we leave the realm of utter hypocrisy, again, I always tell people there's a difference between a strategy and a principle. A principle is something fixed. It uh, doesn't waver according to your political needs. It's something you believe in in your heart. Okay, and Republicans say they have belief in principles, and I always say, no, they don't. They just have right. strategies that they employ from time to time to right. win a political battle. So the right. notion that they have a fixed political belief, philosophical belief, that the people should decide and determine through the presidential vote which direction the Supreme Court should go is utter fallacy. It's bullshit. It, they made it up. They used it as an argument to justify whatever they were doing in 2016, and now the times have changed, so they're going to have a different argument. Isn't that right. correct, Monroe? That's correct. Remember when they used to to um, scream and, and yell and stomp their feet over activists uh, Supreme Court judges. Yes. And um, because they didn't like their, what, their rulings. And yes. Now the same. We want activist Supreme Court judges. Yes. To undo everything the Democrats did. Uh, I, Monroe, I swear to God, sometimes I think the Republicans, if they could, they'd go back to slavery. Well, you know, oh, they, they, the original they, founding they, founder, fathers, uh, they you right. know, appreciated it. Right. Oh no! You know your president at one of his rallies last week um, was talking about genes and how how the white audience there had great genes. I'm talking yeah. about G E N E S, not G E A N S, not yeah. J E A N S. about genes. But, I mean, it was, it was it was so racist. I mean, he's he, he's getting he's not dog whistling anymore. He's bullhorning. Yeah. All right, let's get back to the political strategy and your thoughts. You've been following politics a while. Uh, it's either have a vote now or have a vote within before November 3rd, the official election day, uh, or wait until lame duck. What do, what do you think they're going to do? I think they're going to uh, wait until lame duck. Yeah. Although it's a tough one for Mitch McConnell. Because if 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 they if they Trump wants it now, tomorrow, if he can have it that way, uh, day of the funeral. (laughs) But anyway, uh, he wants it that way. But McConnell, more than wanting Trump to get reelected, wants to make sure that he remains the leader, Senate leader. And so he's, his calculations are all about keeping a majority in the Senate, which will keep him in his position of power. So he's trying to calculate this. And the calculation he has to make is, um, does he do it now and rile up uh, the left in the country? Mm-hmm. Or does he not do it now and use that as a rallying point for his his senators where well if if you don't vote for um, Collins then when the the, the, the um, Democrats are going to be in control of the Senate and they're gonna um, have a riot party every week 
Well, I, I think that uh, in addition to that, uh, there's also the dancing and dodging aspect of this vote. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So you, you, you alluded to Susan Collins. Uh, she's the incumbent senator uh, from Maine. Uh, and she supposedly, and I got this in quotes, is a moderate Republican. Uh, she's at least supposedly open to the notion uh, that she would support a, a justice uh, who was for a woman's right to choose or oppose a justice on that issue, even if it was nominated by Donald Trump. There's really nothing to uh, substantiate no. that claim, uh, as she, she proved in Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's her calling card. And so she's running for re-election. That's one of the things she's saying in her re-election campaign, Monroe, is, you know what? Uh, this is not a blue America or red America. It's just America. Uh, where we heard that one before. And... Uh, so I'm going to be really open minded and listen. And if I don't agree with this uh, judicial candidate, I'll vote against uh, her, her. It's presumably going to be a her. So she can say that now and nobody. What can you do? You're like, well, you know, she may vote no. Uh, and then as soon as the election's over and she doesn't have to answer to voters on that singular issue of yes or no. Boom. Yeah. Lame duck. Oh, <laughs> I saw the same thing happen in Chicago with the uh, the Lincoln Yards deal, the TIF deal, where all these uh, aldermen running for uh, re-elections, when they were running, said, uh, well, they're against it. But as soon as they were safely re-elected in Monroe, boom. Yeah. <laughs> I reconsidered. Isn't that funny? Well, did I say that? <laughs> did I say that? Huh? What? So uh, I think you're right. I think it'll be a lame ducker, which just think about that. Let's just pause. Let's assume they have a lame duck vote in this. Uh, Donald Trump has been ousted. Joe Biden is the president elect and the Democrats have taken control of the Senate. Um, so Mitch McConnell is a lame duck head of the Senate. I presume he'll, he'll win reelection. He's up by 10 points. I saw over Amy McGrath in the last poll. Uh, and they still would have this power grab. You know what I'm saying? Monroe? Like, yes, yes. They still no because they want this is this this is McConnell's legacy. He's put he's put he's he's put more right wing judges, young right wing judges, into the federal system, judicial system, in um, big positions and small positions. And he's he's gotten two Supreme Court justices and the number three. Will just set the court up to be right wing for a generation, mm-hmm. and so that's been his mission. You know, just like as 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 I, as I said last week, I think it was um, with um, Jeff Jeffrey Beauregard. <laughs> his 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 mission was to dismantle all the civil rights progress, and so he was willing to take the insults and. Um, horrible treatment from Donald J. Trump because he wanted his, his life mission was to um, turn the clock back on civil rights. So these guys have their own personal interests, pet peeves that they want to deal with. And so they're willing to suffer um, the company of Trump to get it done. All right. Well, let's, uh, 
break it down a little more before Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. Uh, there was, there's nine justices, uh, and there were four hardcore soldiers of the right and there were four liberals. Uh, so on, uh, like and, the issue. And, Rob, and, and Roberts is, is a so-called, um, moderate swing vote. Well, he, he, Roberts, yeah, I, I've talked about him, but he was more or less as close as you come to a swing vote uh, that you had there. Now, if you replace uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg with this, another soldier of the right, right. Uh, it's it's not even a swing vote time. It's no. just flat out, all the, you know, rubber stamp. Wait, exactly. boss, boss Trump, what do you want? You got it. Six to three rubber stamp. Right. Right. Except they're not going, they're not taking orders from Trump on this stuff. Trump doesn't know Trump Trump doesn't know enough about this to give him orders. Wait, time out. It wait, hold on. If it comes down to a vote on uh whether Donald Trump can be uh indicted or held accountable for crimes that he committed while and he's are you um president, you think they're gonna vote to indict him and allow a, a prosecutor to indict him? I mean, they played that little game with his taxes about uh three months ago with their little phony vote, which enables Trump to duck and dodge and conceal and appeal. Uh, if, and they, while they can claim that they uh, held him accountable. Come on, Monroe. You know, they do take on certain issues. They do take, they, they, they take their orders from Barr and Trump's lawyers. Uh, the Heritage Foundation is giving the orders. They're, they've picked it. They're picking the candidates. Because Trump doesn't know that stuff, and he doesn't care about it at all. If it, if if it's not if it's nothing in in it for him, where he can make some money, yeah, it's true. And he doesn't care. But but he's you know but but he, I mean he'll hand him a pen and a, a pen and he'll sign it. Uh, so what uh, what do you think the impact will be on Obamacare uh, with the with a right wing judge? Oh, man, I don't. I, if Obamacare could be gone. Yeah. The problem is, we're talking about 20 million Americans, and all of them are Democrats, and all of them are minorities, and we're all we're 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 also we also have because of the pandemic. If they get rid of Obamacare and they get rid of pre-existing co- conditions then those who have had COVID or uh, will be, COVID could become um, back to, to the insurance companies, a pre-existing condition. And so they can not choose not to insure them or to um, insure them with much higher rates. Because some of these people, not everybody, but a lot of people, and they still don't know, a lot of people who have survived, uh, have gotten COVID-19 and survived, have other conditions now, mm-hmm. medical conditions, new underlying conditions. And, and so, I, so I, you know, I'm not sure, you know, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm not sure that, and, and plus 70, 72, 70 some percent of Americans want and like Obamacare now. Yeah, I've, uh, and so I'm not uh, but, sure what they're going to do. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't. I it, 
I'm with you on this. The Republicans uh, lost the House in 2018 to a certain degree uh, on their opposition to Obamacare and the fact that they had no alternative, uh, which is still very much the case. They have no no alternative. Uh, You're absolutely correct. And so this just exacerbates uh, that deficiency in their platform. And it does. Oh, that's that's, 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 that's <laughs> you're right. It's right. 2016 when we're going to make America great and kiss Putin's ass. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Uh, you're absolutely right. What platform? They have no official platform. Uh, so, uh, by the way, uh, uh, our uh, listener Frank sent me a, a text this. A weekend that uh, I promised him that I would uh, read to you. Uh, this one caught me off guard. It was a list of some of the more recent polls, state by state polls. Yeah. And uh, we've been teasing mercilessly about your prediction that uh, Biden would win Alabama. Uh-huh. But this latest poll, Monroe, uh, yes. you know, you get lunch at the restaurant of your choice if this happens. And I will happily buy it for you. And we'll wear masks. We'll eat through the masks. Right. We'll wait till the pandemic is over. According to the, yeah, we'll wait till the pandemic is, uh, and we go back to our uh, good old days of eating lunch together. Forty-eight to forty-four. It's a four-point swing between yeah. Biden and Trump in Alabama. I'm like, yeah. oh my god! Yeah. And we got six weeks to go. It's it's only it's only going to get worse because a most important Americans are still going to be dying. In fact, more of and B, Trump is still going to be crazy and even more crazy. And, and you know, and, and next week is the debate. Yeah. And, and of course, they've been putting out the word initially about how Biden was senile, had Alzheimer's, uh, didn't know where he was, et cetera, et cetera. I, I've watched his press conferences, and he is very much in the moment and aware. And he knows what he's talking about. And so this debate is going to be with Biden sounding, looking and sounding like the real president and Trump looking like the real liar and con man who is pre-Alzheimer's, if not there now. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, by the way, you come on the day after the debate. So yeah. better make sure you watch that debate because uh, uh, that... if, if, if I have to pay 50 bucks to watch that debate <laughs> with no popcorn and champagne. I'll <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, you've been predicting uh, that uh, Donald Trump will not be elected. When I saw that poll that uh, Frank sent me, um, it's that's four points uh, percentage points. And part of the reason we'll get into this. Yes. The black vote in Alabama is key. We saw that with Doug Jones' victory uh, in the Senate race in 2018. Yeah, right. The black voters key, period. This this may be the last election where we are the playmakers because the next time out, it may be the Hispanics and for a long time thereafter. But for this particular election, we are the, we are the inflection point. Explain that. First of all, we are... The black voter has been um, more loyal as a voting bloc in the Democratic Party than any other group. And because we are so impacted by Trump on so many different levels, um, 
Well, first of all, we didn't show up for Hillary, which is why Trump is president. If we had shown up for Hillary the way we had in the, the two previous presidential elections, then uh, we'd be complaining about whatever Hillary was doing instead of Trump. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but whatever Hillary would have done is pales in comparison to what Trump is doing now. And the impact, just if you just take the, the pandemic, uh, because um, black and brown people are more likely to be frontline employees. They're dying at a much greater rate. And because they're, because they're, they're going to be in jobs that are not as um, protected, shall we say, mm -hmm. in terms of, of whether you get to work or whether you don't, you can be laid off. More and because Trump has handled this so badly with the, the meat workers, for example, there's it's the, the, the virus in the meatpacking industry is incredible. The, 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 the um, confirmed cases and the deaths. And that's because uh, Trump, Trump, Trump being, being the meat lover that he is, um, said that they were they were essential workers, the meatpacking people the workers. So so their bosses could make them show up. That uh yeah, very personal piece of power there by Donald Trump. Uh and uh so you're saying in your humble opinion the turnout uh, among black voters will uh, increase uh, yeah. significantly in this election from twenty sixteen. Yeah. Exactly. And did you, uh, the pre, did you have you had a chance to see the lines for the people voting early on the first day that it was available? No. Where is this? There were lines. Um, I'm trying to remember now. Yeah. Um, no, I have no. I, listen. I, but, it, but anyway, one of the reporters, one of the reporters was asking the people who they were voting for mm -hmm. or who they voted for, and 17 to 1 for Biden versus Trump with these early dedicated voters. Wow. That, that, that does not bode well for Con Don. <laughs> Con Don. <laughs> uh, that is fun. Now, uh, by the way, you, you mentioned something to me in passing uh, before the show, and I want to uh, get you to elaborate a little bit. Uh, we have the, what I call the Dennis theory, uh, that it, um, he's... Uh, I give him credit because he's the first person that said it uh, openly on my show uh, that white people lie to pollsters. They say uh, they're going to vote Democrat, but in reality, they're going to vote Trump because they're too embarrassed to admit they vote for uh, you know, President Donnie. Uh, and I, I've bought into that theory. I also think black uh, voters lie to pollsters as well. Uh, they, they lie by saying uh, they are going to vote for Donald Trump which is a whole other thing. But uh, you're now saying there may be a different lie that white voters are giving to pollsters? Elaborate, please. What, I, what I'm saying is that uh, white people are ashamed of Trump. And so they, they are lying and saying they are going to vote for him. But he, he, 
there is a the the um, silent majority is now white people that are fed up with him mm. and his shenanigans. Then he thinks. Yeah. I, I just have to say this about the silent majority. Whenever I hear that, that is a, a term left over from the Nixon years. Yes. And it had to do with the fact that uh, in the Nixon years, there was uh, thousands of people in the street protesting the Vietnam War. They were very loud. Right. And so what Richard Nixon and his uh, political aides said, there's a silent majority of Americans who support the war, support the president and are ready to vote for Richard Nixon over the Democrats. And they're the silent majority. And that word has been ever been used ever since embraced right. by right wingers to right. say uh, the great vast majority of Americans are silent and support us. And I'm like, Monroe, I got to say this. Can we just end that term right now? Because let me just put it. First of all, Trump didn't win a majority of the vote in the last election. Okay. Right. He was, a, it's a minority of voters, number one. And number two, everybody knows it's going to get lose even more in this, in this election. So it's not a majority, number one. No, and number two, they're not silent. They're the no, biggest crybabies no. in the world. I just flipped the phrase. I just flipped the script. By that, did did you see Trump's rally yesterday in Pittsburgh? No, talk about it. There were thousands of people out there super spreading their asses off. And they were noisy. And that's the that they think that they're the majority, and they aren't. The majority are those of us who are just anxiously waiting to cast our vote against Trump. Uh, that's the, the, the um, as, as Trump described them, the suburban housewives, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, gays. Uh, everybody is anxious to vote against Trump except for uneducated old white men. Yeah. All right, now uh, let's move on. I have a couple other items on this list I want to deal with. Number one, your latest prediction, uh, which I have to get on the record. Uh, this is something that Monroe said to me uh, this morning uh, when we were talking about what we're going to talk about on the show. And I think he could have been overwhelmed by all the Tai Chi he's been doing lately. Like it's brought too much air to his head or something like that. I, right <laughs> I, you. I just ended my class. Yes. I, I would blame it on Reefer, but Monroe has not smoked Reefer since his days at the University of Indiana back in the 60s. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, let's not blame it on marijuana. Uh, but that Tai Chi is just doing it. Not, all that oxygen it brings to your brain. You predicted. Yes. That uh, the Democrat. Yes. Jamie Harrison would defeat Lindsey Graham for yes. Senate in yes. South Carolina. Yes. Uh, do you still make that hold to that prediction yes even more so now that my hair head is clear from all that deep breathing and <laughs> meditation now now that now that i'm getting my 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 nastiness back <laughs> yeah jamie's got james jamie's got to beat him Exp uh, explain uh your prediction just so everybody knows jamie harris is a black man Right. Harrison is a black man running in South yeah. Carolina. Right. They had yeah. a Confederate yeah. flag flying yeah. from the state house too long ago. Yeah. Go ahead. Educated 
Yale-educated black man. Um, he worked for Clyburn. Uh, so he, 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 he knows what he's doing. Jim Clyburn. He raised, yeah, he's raised much more money than Lindsay. In fact, Lindsay is now running as the underdog. <laughs> he, he was in an interview yesterday, I think it was, saying that, well, um, the, the, the opponent may have all this money coming in and, and um, he may have all this. He's running as the underdog. Wow. And he's going to lose. But they're tired of Lindsay. Plus, you know, and Lindsay, we were talking earlier about um, positions on, 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 on voting for the Supreme Court judge. Mm-hmm. Lindsay, back, back when the opening happened, and a year ago was saying that um, it should not happen. There should be no vote. Yeah. Until the, you have a new president. And now he's saying, get it on. Let's go do it. Let's, let's vote. And he went one step beyond that. He goes, use my words against me. He was like Gary yeah, Hart. Yeah, keep the tape. Yeah, keep yeah. the tape. Yeah, right. yeah keep the tape. And, right. uh uh, use my words against me. Keep the tape, and so everybody's like, "Okay, we'll keep that tape." And then they, oh my and, goodness! And, and Harris and Harris is talking about what, what a flip flopper he was, and how he doesn't care about what's going on in uh, his state. All he cares about is um, kissing Trump's ass, basically, and playing the golf with him. Well, uh, if if he is victorious, then South Carolina will have two black senators. Uh, which would be pretty amazing. Um, yeah, except the other one probably won't last long. <laughs> because they, they, you know, they, 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 they might be able to do that in, in South Carolina, two of them. And uh, so, uh, so the Republicans uh, would get rid of the other one. <laughs> all right, so now that brings us uh, to the final question of the show today. Who's the biggest phony among Republicans in the Senate? And we'll have a showdown. There's many candidates for this honor. Lindsey Graham yeah. could be considered. I would Right now, I'm going to have a battle. Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina, versus Rand Paul, the senator from Kentucky. And I've asked uh, Dennis to play um, two tapes. Uh, and the first one we'll do, it will be the Trump tape. And this alert, uh, gets to uh, Tim Scott's phoniness. And the reason why he's on my mind, uh, Monroe, is I always tell you, I get these emails from him, fundraising emails. And the role that he's been assigned by the Republicans is to play the good guy who's above it all and yeah. just wants to get along. And so he sent out and, these emails. We're not racist. Yes. And he so he sends out uh, he's he's a black man, a black uh, Republican. He sends out these uh, emails that saying they call me names. They call me uh, uh, a token. They call me a Tom. They call me uh, this. All the things, the nasty things that people call him. OK, this is the emails he sends out. So send me money. Please send me money. This is what he sends. Then he sends out this email at when after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died saying, while America mourns Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Okay. And I'm like, Monroe, nobody in the Republican Party is mourning. They're 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 popping champagne. Popping champagne. They're cackling. So All right, so to uh, substantiate that. You know, they aren't very religious, but they've been praying for her death. 
for three years. All right. So now, having said that, let's play Trump. This is Donald John Trump on Fox and Friends this weekend. Well, I don't know that she said that or was that written out by Adam Schiff and Schumer and Pelosi. I I would be more inclined to the second. Okay, you know, that came out of the wind. It sounds so beautiful. But that sounds like a Schumer deal or maybe a Pelosi or or Shifty Schiff. That's him talking about uh, the message delivered by Ruth Bader Ginsburg's daughter, granddaughter, excuse me, that her one of her her deathbed deathbed wish was that uh, her vacancy not be filled until after uh, this presidential election. And Donald Trump and and breaks from his period of mourning to quote Tim Scott to totally trash it and say it's made up. So, uh, you know, thoughts on Tim oh, that, Scott. That's, that's an easy one. His niece, Donald's niece, Mary, mm-hmm. wrote a book about the family. Said, yeah, she's a shrink, so she knows what she's talking about. She, she said that Trump views the world from his, his frame of reference, his mind. That's, that's how he sees the world. So he, he would have done that mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a situation like that. So he just automatically assumes that since he would have done it, anybody else would have done it too. And so he wasn't lying for in that rare opportunity. He was, he was expressing the world from his psychological point of view that he would have made up, he, he would have made up something in a reverse situation. He would have made up something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. He's for projecting. Point. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, but one thing he's certainly not doing as Tim Scott would say, he's not mourning. I don't see that. I don't see, sense oh, any right. mourning going on. He, he, he had to order the flags at half mast. And he says she's a nice lady. That's his version of mourning. Uh, it's his mourning. All right. He has, uh, he has no empathy. He's not an empathetic man. Uh, uh, all right. So uh, this is a battle between who's the bigger fraud and phony, Tim Scott or Rand Paul. So Tim Scott, he's up for uh, uh, promoting the notion that Republicans are mourning the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now we'll play Rand Paul. All right. This is Rand Paul uh, today, or I think it was today, interrogating uh, Dr. Fauci about uh, the pandemic. Yeah, this one is just unbelievable. This is like the pretense that Rand Paul is like this uh, a scientist who's he's studying. A he's a he's doctor. A, oh, my yeah, God, you call Rand Paul for your doctor, medical needs. No, You're right. He's a doctor, I think. You know, he's, he's not a real doctor. His daddy was a real doctor. His daddy, who's the libertarian from Texas, I think yeah. is a, a Dr. Paul. I'm Rand Paul maybe. All right. Anyway, this is the pretense that he's rigorously studying uh, COVID uh, to come up with a, a, a scientific explanation for why so many people died. D, play Rand Paul. You've been a big fan of Cuomo and the shutdown in New York. You've lauded New York for their policy. New York had the highest death rate in the world. How yeah. could we possibly be jumping up and down and saying, oh, Governor Cuomo did a great no. job. He had the worst death rate in the world. No, you misconstrued that. Senator, and you've done that 
repetitively in the past. They got hit very badly. They've made some mistakes. Or they've developed enough community immunity right. that they're no longer having the pandemic because they have enough immunity in New York City to actually stop. I challenge that, uh, Senator. I'm afraid. Because I'm afraid I, I want, please, sir, I would like to be able to do this because this happens with Senator Rand all the time. You were not listening to what the director of the CDC said. You are not listening. He points out they didn't come close to having immunity. Yeah, uh, he, he pointed out that there's there's twenty percent infection in New York, and you need to be three times that high before you start getting um, immunity. Yeah. So Rand Paul's whole mission in life uh, is to protect Donald Trump from any responsibility or accountability as the president of the United States for the deaths that have happened as a result of the outbreak of the coronavirus by blaming it on any Democrat he could find. And he does this on the pretext that he's just a, an objective scientist looking at the evidence. OK, so that's fraudulent there. Tim Scott, on the other hand, pretends as though Republicans are united in their grief for the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And can we just all put aside this wrangling so we could just grieve her while, <laughs> while they're plotting immediately to replace her with someone who will totally eradicate her legacy and do everything they can uh, to make it as though she didn't exist. Monroe Anderson, in your opinion, who's Rand the biggest? Paul my, Rand Paul gets my vote. Over Tim Scott. Yes, because he is helping to kill people with that BS that he's putting out there. People are dying because some of them believe him. Um, some of them are um, have, have no faith in anything, so they just live foolishly. I mean, you know, what, what the Republicans, Trump in particular, but the Republicans in general are doing is they're making it possible for us I think I've said this before on your show, but it's, it merits repeating. America is 4.5% mm. of the world's population. We have 20 plus percent of the, the confirmed cases and the deaths from COVID-19. Now, how does that happen? Mm. It's because of no leadership and because of blurring the lines and confusing people that uh, we're not taking the right defenses. Yeah, I actually am going to agree with you. Uh, first, when the, when the show began, I was thought it was a tie between Scott and Rand Paul for being biggest phony. But since the consequences are greater with Rand Paul, I think we're going to have to go with Rand Paul. But Tim Scott runs a close second. You got to admit. <laughs> yeah. But see, I, and and I and I, I tend not to use it use the term because actually Uncle Tom was uh, a, a noble figure in in, in the book, right? Under his circumstances, he was he was trying to do it the best he could. Um, so I don't want to call um, Tim Scott and Uncle Tom because I don't want to um, defame the great fi fictional character. So I think I'll call him a Clarence Thomas instead. Okay. Wow. Clarence Thomas. Thinking of a disgraceful Supreme Court nomination fights when they replaced Thurgood Marshall with Clarence. I still haven't got over that. That only happened 30 years ago, Monroe, and I still haven't got over it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they that's what they plan to do 
with um, RGB. R- yeah. RBG. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Same then thing. you replace her with some horrible right-wing woman, and, and they can say, well, we replaced a woman with a woman. Right. Unfortunately, they don't have a Jewish woman available to do it with. Or they I, do it. I thought for certain they bring in a Jewish woman, but you're right. They figure, eh, any woman will do. Right. Uh, just bring a woman in there. No one will know the difference. Right. Uh, exactly. Monroe, we're probably going to have to hold off for a fuller discussion of this, but uh, you gave me your advice, uh, and it's straight out of the David Ferris playbook. David Ferris, folks who are listening to this conversation, uh, don't listen to some of the other interviews. David Ferris is Roosevelt University professor, political science professor, wrote a book, Time for Democrats to Fight Dirty, and uh, he wrote this three years ago, I want to say, uh, and he called for packing the court, uh, ending the filibuster, and getting rid of the Electoral College. Uh, he urged Democrats to do that. Nobody was listening to him now, uh, back then. And uh, Monroe, that's your advice as well, three years later, correct? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm now, as a result of the Republicans trying to ramrod um, another Supreme Court justice in, they will have stolen two seats now. Mm-hmm. Um, I am of the mindset of scorched earth. Let's just go for it. Let's see. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And we'll all be blind and, 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 and gumming our, our, um, <laughs> our applesauce <laughs> in the future. But it's okay. It's better than uh, them, them, them being in charge and us having to go along with it. I'm with you there. I was with you uh, I, I, with David Ferris. I remember the first time he came on my show, I go, oh, my God, this makes so much sense. And then I read his book. Uh, we'll have a great fact. Ferris will be coming on at the end of this week. We'll be going into these details. And Monroe will be talking about this. Uh, if the Democrats prevail, win the White House, win the Senate, as Monroe predicts, uh, yeah, and yeah. if the Republicans prevail, uh, and in filling Ruth Bader Ginsburg's vacancy with a right-wing uh, appointee, as Monroe predicts, then there will definitely be a strong movement to pack the court, uh, to have legislation to increase the number of Supreme Court justices uh, so that uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats can fill those slots. Biden will be under a lot of pressure in Monroe come February and March to do that. Yes, and and if... They, if, if the Republican Supreme Court, either uh, next month or within the next six months, um, rules against Obamacare, they take it out of the game. And um, if they kill um, the, the, the anti, the, the, the abortion, the, the abortion act. They overturn Roe versus first yeah, Wade. Wade. Yeah, um, then he's going to have to do it. Yeah. It's going to be so strong. All right, Monroe, uh, stay safe, stay sound, practice your Tai Chi, and we'll be talking to you next Wednesday, all right? Okay, all right, okay. That's uh, the great Monroe Anderson, uh, legendary Chicago journalist, Tribune, Sun-Times. Uh, Press Secretary Eugene Sawyer. D, what you got for me before we head out the door? All right, we do have some updates here before we roll out. First update, 
Mixed message gate during the coronavirus pandemic continues? I'm not a perfect person. So, as you know, Illinois parents have been rallying across the state and at the state capitol in an attempt to have their fall contact sports and football season reinstated. We've been talking about it for weeks here on the program. Well, we're learning this now, thanks to Capital Facts and the meanest Illinois political bulldog in the yard, the one and only Rich Miller. Get him back on the chain. Well, my goodness, it's frightening. Uh, it says here, uh, meanwhile, Pritzker's 18-year-old daughter, uh, Theodora Teddy Pritzker, who formerly attended Francis W. Parker in Chicago, has continued to engage in equest- equestrian sports across the country since the state was locked down, including in Illinois. Teddy, daughter of J.B. Pritzker, is the only daughter of the family. And apparently, Ben, she jumps horses competitively in the medium junior division with the team Wells and is featured on the team's website. So, J.B. Pritzker's daughter is taking uh, part in sports during this time. The governor was asked about this story today, and the governor responded by saying, quote, Well, let me begin by saying that attacking my daughter for playing in a sport that is allowed, that the doctors have said that people can play this fall, is something that I think people need to recognize is inappropriate. Bringing our family members into politics inappropriate. The fact that people protested in front of a state employee's house over the last few days, scaring the children, creating an awful circumstance for them. I mean, that's very inappropriate. And I think people have to understand that what I'm focused on, again, with all of this is saving lives, is making sure that we're keeping people healthy. The fact that people want to get personal is disturbing. In the context of the fact that people are dying, maybe people ought to step back a little and ask themselves, what is this all about? Ben Jarofsky, what is this all about? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And uh, uh, that is an excellent question to ask parents of football players who are fighting so hard to get their kids to be able to play football again. But I would say... Uh, to Governor Pritzker, and I don't like bringing kids of politicians into uh, the fray. I st- still say that this smacks of a rules for thee, not for me situation. Uh, and when you're asking parents across the state uh, to give up their dreams, you might say, oh, my goodness, you know, um, uh, you're living vicariously through your children and you shouldn't care so much whether your kid gets to play football or not. You could say that. But the fact of the matter is they do care very deeply and you're asking them to give something up. And I just feel as though, you know, for the good of the squad, you should ask your daughter to give it up. And I know it would be under pressure. I could just imagine the pressure he would face from doing that, D. But I just, you ask me my opinion, I'll tell you my opinion that he should ask his daughter to give up the uh, equestrian activities, the horse jumping. And you could say, well, it's she's not going to get the virus, that she wears a mask when she jumps. I mean, you could say the same thing about cross-country runners. They're giving up their sport for the uh, for the fall. You could say the same thing if you want. I don't know. Maybe, maybe soccer is a little different. You can make an argument about any of these sports that they're not as dangerous as, let's say, football, but they're all being asked to give up. So I just think it's for the good of the team. Everybody sacrifices in the time of a pandemic. And um, as troublesome as that might be on the home front, 
I do think that uh, it might have been a good idea if J.B. Pritzker had asked his daughter to give up a competitive horse jumping, at least until we, you know, for another year. You go back to it in a year, you know? I mean, um, it's not like horse jumping is going to go away once we have a vaccine. So I'm very sympathetic to people who uh, see a mixed message or an inconsistency there, D. I absolutely am. All right. And what is your experience with horse jumping, Ben? You seem like uh, a, you seem like you may be uh, into horse jumping. Yeah, <laughs> I got to tell you, I once got on a horse, and from the moment I was on that horse uh, to the moment I got off, all I wanted to do was get off. Not <laughs> in the horses, okay? I'm like, can you get someone get me off this freaking horse? The thing's moving. Wait a minute, you didn't tell me the horse was going to move. Get me off this horse. Don't like horses. Now I know J.B. Pritzker. And I don't see eye to eye that the man loves horses. Okay. But I'm not like, yeah, a horse looks nice. You go ride the horse, D. Did you know the horse moves? I like get on the horse. I thought it was like one of those horses, you know, like a merry-go-round horse. They don't move. A real horse moves, D. Like puts the head down, starts eating grass. I go, wait a minute, where you going with that head? So no, no, I'm not, I'm not a horse guy. Right. No. So you won't find Ben Jarofsky. You won't find Ben Jarofsky at a JB Pritzker's horse ranch anytime soon. Not a horse guy. He is a basketball guy. Isn't that right? Here, take the shot, Ben. Come on. Oh, damn. You keep missing. You're just having a bad day. You're ha- Here, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Watch it. Yeah. At the buzzer, baby. You know, I wish I had a hold of the uh, special effects, but see, Dennis got cut a deal with Vilma in the sound department, and so she, Vilma, come on, man. Every now and then, you got to give me the shot that goes through. Well, you just got to get a better jumper. Here, take one more shot. Let's see how it goes. Oh, damn. (laughs) I love that sound effect. That's a good one. Good sound effect. Oh, well, the hits keep coming because it's now time for a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. (laughs) This is a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. All right, and I can promise you this update does not involve horses. This candidate comes, or this candidate update comes out of the downstate 13th congressional district in the battle between incumbent Republican Rodney Davis and his Democratic challenger Betsy. Dirksen Londrigan. The race between these two has been a heated one, and the following is proof. A fundraising email was recently sent from the Rodney Davis campaign. Ben, it sounds a little like the Davis campaign. Here's the Dirksen Londrigan campaign knocking at the door. Hello? Huh? (laughs) Who's there? All right. Uh, here is uh, here's the campaign. Uh, like the door knocking thing. That's good. That's very good. <laughs> you know, you're inspiring me with all your sound effects, like cat yeah. out of the bag. Let's hear that real quick. Oh, man, that's, a, that's a good one. You're inspiring me. Uh, you know, here's the Dirks and Londrigan campaign knocking at uh, the Davis campaign store. Hello. <laughs> I'm scared. Okay. All right. So here is uh, the uh, email. You tell me what you think, Ben. This is an email coming to all those uh, Republican voters from the Rodney Davis campaign. It says, friend, this is urgent. Oh, we got the... Wow, it Sirens. is urgent. Yeah, it is. <laughs> they, they, they're coming to take you away. Ha ha. He he. Oh, oh. It says, friend, this is urgent. 
Betsy Londrigan just released an internal poll that shows her campaign down by only one percentage point in this key race. We knew the numbers would be tight, but this shows this race has further tightened. It goes on by saying, friend, friend, we're <laughs> counting on your support now more than ever. We must show left wing Londrigan who really has the support of the grassroots in this race. Londrigan's record of supporting Nancy Pelosi's radical agenda and palling around with corrupt Illinois politicians like, yes, you guessed it, Mike Madigan, oh my God, have no place in Congress, much less in downstate Illinois. That's the uh, the email going out to Rodney Davis supporters, Ben. Yeah, well, they're scared. And hold on. They're scared. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm 1%. scared. I'm scared, too. Yeah. That's so funny. Like, again, we talked about left-wing Londrigan. Did they actually say that, or did yeah, you make that Yeah, it said left-wing Londrigan. Okay. <laughs> One more time, folks. There's a difference between a liberal or even just like your mainstream Democrat, which is not even quite liberal, and a lefty. And I know this because I am a lefty. And then there's people beyond me. My dear friend Sam Holloway is beyond me. So <laughs> to call Betsy Durson uh, Londrigan a left wing Londrigan is just making stuff up as you go along. And they are nerd. And then Pelosi's radical agenda. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Where's Babs? hear what they do, Babs? Babs, uh, really astute political follower, listens to the show, puts stuff on my Facebook page, uh, is always pointing out how Nancy Pelosi is betraying the uh, the Democratic base, uh, the values of lefties. And he's, more often than not, he's absolutely correct. But that doesn't stop Republicans from talking about a radical agenda. They just make stuff up as they go along, D. And I got news for you. I'm, uh, if they're playing that kind of, uh-oh, trying to get people scared game. That's a, that's, that's, um, yeah, that, that maybe there, I, it's probably not lefty, uh, quote unquote, left wing Londrigan's uh, internal polls that are showing Davis in trouble. It's probably Davis's internal polls, but he's you know, dumping it on uh, Londrigan there. So yeah, good. Hope she wins. Hope she wins. I hope by the way, Republicans downstate, Hey, her middle name, her maiden name is Dirksen. Just think your vote. Just pretend you're voting for Everett Dirksen. Close your eyes and vote for the Dirksen. There you go. By the way, Everett Dirksen, the late senator from downstate Illinois, uh, it wouldn't be allowed in the in the Republican Party these days because he was he really was a moderate, supported a civil rights bill. So. Uh, Good. That's good little news. That's good news. But wait. Make me feel a little. Oh, there's oh no. more. Oh, no. There's now the bad news. Go ahead. We have a campaign ad to play from the Rodney. How about, how about, I'm scared. Davis campaign. This new ad is titled Kathy, which highlights Betsy Londrigan's support for a government run insurance plan that could force the closure of more than half of America's rural hospitals, including 39 in Illinois. Here's the latest ad from R.D. Rodney Davis. I'm Rodney Davis, and I approve this message. I've been a nurse anesthetist in central Illinois for 25 years. Rural hospitals are vital to our families and our economy. But Betsy Londrigan supports a government-run health insurance plan that could force more than half of America's rural hospitals to close. Here in Illinois, we could lose 39 hospitals. 
Betsy Londrigan's liberal policies would destroy jobs and jeopardize care. And there it was. I, we got to bring Dr. Pam back, uh, our friend from uh, downstate Illinois, uh, Bernie Sanders supporter and believer in a uh, Medicare for all plan. Remember her, Dr. Pam from oh, yeah. D, from your neck of the woods. Uh, and she'll tell it like it is, because I'll tell you what, that is shamelessness for a Republican, the party of Trump to try to use uh, the fear people would have of losing of health care against a Democrat when his party, the party of Roddy Davis is in court right now trying to eliminate Obamacare. So the shamelessness just continues, D. And um, shame on that. I don't even know. I didn't see the commercial. I don't know if she's an actress or a real nurse, but shame, shame, shame on her as well. And there it was. Another two in one day. Yes, it's true. Another 2020 in general election. Well, Illinois general election candidate update. I'll get it right. That was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Ow! I love the update, update, update. All right, Ben, now you just keep working on your jump shot here while I tell everybody where they can find us, okay? All right, okay. everybody, here, there's the ball. Go ahead. All right, you can find us at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find, oh, boy, you're just not doing well today. <laughs> Benny J Show at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach us, send us an email. Put where your, uh, your name and where you're from, and we would love to hear from Ben. Just give me the ball. I'll show you how it's done. You can also reach us uh you can call us 708-658-4788 that number again 708-658-4788 see how it's done but now you take the ball and you shoot live streamers we'd love for you to reach out we thank you so much for your support old brick brick and bin over here is very thankful as well and uh, yeah just reach out to us send us a voicemail email whatever you'd like to do that's it ben we're done all right, very good. I want to thank Monroe Anderson for doing an outstanding job as he does every Wednesday. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And as everybody knows, as Monroe can tell you, as Betsy Durson Laundrigan can tell you, as Rodney Davis can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Ben, take one more shot. Oh, there it is. <laughs> At the buzzer, right before we left. <laughs>